And then when we first got power meters and I told people 100 RPM, people couldn't push any wattage. And they're, they're like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, it's not you. It's me. It's us as instructors. We never, we knew you guys weren't working hard at those fast cadences. We knew, but there was no way for us to make you do it. We could talk and talk and talk how you should feel and your legs should burn and your legs probably were burning because you had this fast cadence going, but you, we knew you weren't doing any work. So we always climbed. We always said heavy and slow, heavy and slow. And then the second we started getting these power meters and had you go faster, you realized very quickly that you never, ever practiced pedaling fast with resistance. And now you can see it. That's the thing I'm hearing the most about is that people are coming back to me after this year, year and a half that we've had power. And they said, I can finally pedal close to where I used to pedal. And I can use, and I can do it with power, and I can do it with output, and I can do it with work. But that's taken over a year for people to get there. Hi, this is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another Indoor Cycle Instructor Pro podcast, and they're designated pro because they are exclusively for our ICI Pro members. Dennis Mellon and I were chatting here this morning, and I said, wait, 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 stop talking. Um, let me get the recorders going because it's a, this is a conversation I think it's really valuable to instructors that are teaching primarily with power, and that is you know, helping our participants understand that there are some floors and some ceilings that we can help them identify through the process of some very simple assessments and then use that to guide their effort throughout the class. So Dennis Mellon, hey, welcome back. Hey, John. Nice to talk to you again. You know, what started the conversation was, you know, you and I are going to be out in Chicago here in a couple of weeks at the Full Cycle Pro uh, PIQ training. And we're going to be talking with some of the studio, with these studio owners, and there's a few instructors there as well, you know, about, you know, helping to, oh, maybe, is the right word simplify or, or make power training more digestible? Uh, how would you describe that, you know, for our participants? I think power training is both simple and can make, be as complicated as you want it to be. Um, but when you can see the numbers, I think people can understand what they're doing so much better than when they're just guessing at are you breathless are you not are you are you burning are you not um so the numbers i think the numbers just give you so much power no pun intended to <laughs> right to to really get people to dial in to what they're doing and to see efficiencies and inefficiencies and to work on both exactly now you teach with power at multiple facilities with multiple different indoor cycles yes and uh, let's see you've got one place with blade ions one with i one with kaiser one with um with the stages bike and i also teach with with the old nxts which has been an eye-opening experience having gone to power and then coming back what was that experience well what i ended up finding was you can teach on a non-power bike like you teach on a power bike. Um, you just don't have that metric of power. Luckily on these NXTs, I have a, a cadence meter. So then I just use all my power knowledge 
to know that if I do this, they're going to fatigue. And if they fatigue, their cadence is going to drop. So like I do that little power test at the beginning of every, of every class where people go yeah, for that five best or effort. Ten, that best effort or, um, well, I do that. What I have found is I have to do that at the beginning of every set that I have set up. And what I do is I get them locked into, I want you to feel, now they have to go with RPE. Um, I want you to feel like you're at wherever I want them to be. Normally, I want them to be at their threshold or at their maximum sustainable intensity. It's not a five-minute check every single time. And then from there, I play with the cadence. So if I know they're at that threshold point and they know their RPM, if I say go five RPM faster, they should be above it. If they want to go five RPM above that, they're even higher above that. And then when I want them to recover in that set, I usually don't have them touch anything. I just say stand up. Right, stand up and walk. That's what I do. Go back right to it again. Unfortunately, they have the friction resistance. So if they're really going hard, it actually gets easier as they go. But uh, um, they are smart enough that I say if you feel it backing down a little bit because that brake isn't working as efficiently, give it a little bit more resistance. But it definitely gets them in the ballpark, and they can feel it. A few of them are heart rate monitors, so they see their heart rate rising. So I know I'm getting it done. It's not as ideal. It's not as perfect as power, but it's the best we have, so I make it work. Yeah, don't say that too much because you got some, you know, we got a lot of club managers and department heads listening to this and they think, oh, Dennis just told me I don't need to get a bike with power. Oh, absolutely not. Which is not, (laughs) which is, that doesn't work. Okay, so, okay, well, so to get back to our conversation about, you know, floors and ceilings and, you know, I think I started our, before we started recording, talking about how, you know, in, in my uh, performance class last week that I did is, you know, I spent a lot of time after the 20 minute FTP assessment we did having people play with figuring out that floor that what I call just riding along or in a five zone heart rate system, it would be that base of zone three, that, that transition of, you know, the first early transition in your breathing. Um, do you do, do you use that? Or is that, is that kind of, you know, a floor that you're using? We were having that conversation and all these things pop into my head and you know, past training systems that I've used. I tend to use the floor and the ceiling in which we've talked a lot about in the below, at, or above threshold zones. Um, and I will, I kind of set that up according to the time of the intervals. Like I believe we can hold an above threshold effort for maybe five minutes. I know some studies show eight. That seems incredibly long, but maybe somebody can do that. Um, so when I set up a, an interval set, I'll say the floor of this interval is here. So if I do a little threshold check or that best effort at the beginning of class, if I'm doing above threshold, I say in this set or in these intervals, do not let it go below your threshold zone or below I'll set the floor as that threshold effort. And then I'll do an interval set, um, different cadence, different positions. And sometimes we're efficient, sometimes we're not, we're inefficient. So I always believe in your most efficient position or speed or cadence, you should be able to work above that floor. And um, so I, but I do, this is, I was thinking about this as we were speaking as well. For example, this, uh, this week, I was doing what I call an around threshold day. 
and we have done FTPs in most of my classes. And I said, your FTP number is your floor. We don't want to go below that. Or I, what I actually said was take 10 off of your FTP. We want to average that for the entire class. And we just went out for a ride. And I did a whole class, bunch of interval sets um, in that. Um, but I had to be careful not to work them too hard because I never want them to, the re to rest. So I said 10 below that, that's your, that's your floor. Don't go below that. Keep it there and see how can you hold an around threshold effort for the entire, I said, 50 minutes with the warm-up and cool-down. Um, that works. Um, Were they successful at that? That seems like a lot of work. Using just what I know about the science of threshold, your FTP is a number that should be able to be held for an hour. And I said, okay, we should be able to hold a threshold number for an hour. If you are ready to really work hard today, and this is going to be really difficult, I want you to set your goal of matching your FTP. Um, and I kind of did a little goal setting before as we were warming up. You know, how do you feel today? Maybe your goal is 10. Maybe you're in here, and this is supposed to be your a base training ride. And if it is for you, I want you to do the class with me and move with me as we move. But set your goal at the higher end of your of your base zone. So I don't I don't want to see that you're an outdoor cyclist and don't care about my class. I want you to ride it and fake it, but stay in that around that in that base training wattage zone and do the class with us. Um, and every people that came up to me, of course, the successful people came up and said, "Yeah, I did it." The the not success, the people that weren't able to do it, I always try to talk them down of perfectly fine. It's nothing wrong with trying to bite off more than you can chew in a class. And if you miss it by a few watts, think about all those racers out there that, you know, they get out, they get sprinted out at the end of the race. They sure got a good workout in and tried. So it was successful for some, but I don't go around looking at their numbers. So I, hopefully they just were able to do more than they thought they could have done. You know, I look at this floor as kind of a more global number in that, you know, this is, you know, in an interval-based class with the understanding that the majority of the people in my class anyways are interested in some form of weight management is that we're going to kind of maximize the total amount of, of calories we expend in the class by limiting how far down we recover and uh, in my typical class. So we're also using that ceiling and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And so when I help them understand what kind of that base level wattage and it obviously because it's watts, we can go right back to it instantly. And and how I describe it and and I realize not everybody's a cyclist within a group ride, you know, you spend some time up front and you work hard, you're you know, pushing the wind out of the way for everybody else. And but then you fall back when your turn is down or done, you don't get to recover completely in the pace line you have to continue working or you're going to get dropped and so the idea is that you're going to recover over time by virtue of its lower intensity does mm -hmm. that make sense absolutely so i try to help people and as i described in that post i did about my performance class and you and i've been talking about this for a long time is that you know by establishing that base and then the upper threshold, the up the ceiling, you know, we can carve that into three nice, easily understood zones that require zero mathematical ability. <laughs> That's going to be hard for me, but okay. Um, <laughs> if anybody's listened to me, I think I confuse myself sometimes. But uh, um, when I'm talking about the numbers, but I, if it confuses me, I'm sure it confuses everybody else out there. So, 
Right. Well, you know, I've done this so long, Dennis. You know, I'm really sensitive to the fact that, um, and and I've taken so many classes from other instructors, is that I think sometimes we we're not aware that we're speaking, but people aren't understanding. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a display system, performance IQ, Speedy, or something. As an instructor, you never really get any direct feedback. Right. Did you, you know? I said this. Did you or did you not understand? You know, you might have understood something, but did you actually understand what I was trying to communicate? Right. I'll always say, was I was that clear as mud? And they'll right. all laugh. And if they say that, I'm like, okay, let me start over again. Right. Maybe maybe you picked up a little bit of it. Maybe you'll pick up more this time. But but go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Oh no, and that's fine. <laughs> and you know, and I've been through you know with lifetime. You know what they have calls five star training, and so much of that is recognizing that you know you have all these different personality types. And, you know, I'm pretty analytic uh, as a personality, um, but there's a lot of people in my class that are not analytic. You know, they're expressive or social or mm-hmm. you know, I, try, I try to remember the exact five. But, but the point being is that if, if, if I was to throw, okay, I want you at 85%, there's a lot of people that that is just incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. In the middle of a workout, wait a second, my last number was, was 163 and I need 85% of that. And, you know, and t- 10 seconds, 15 seconds later, you're telling them something else. They're not hearing it because they're still trying to do this math. Right. And um, to me that, I don't know that that is, it, it is the mark of an effective presenter instructor. Mm-hmm. So how are you describing ceilings then? Or was I hearing you say that you really use this floor and ceiling within an individual uh, segment, section? Well, maybe I confuse people even more because I'll, I'll use it in a section and in a class. Um, I really just want them to understand it and then use it kind of micro to macro. How am I going to – because once they seem to understand it in an interval, they can understand it in a class. So I agree with you completely with the – with the, with the analogy of a group ride. So normally when I'm using it in a class and I'm using it, I'm using floor and ceiling in a class and I am not doing high, high intensity intervals where I want them to just unload and recover, I sometimes will throw out the number 50% or half, I hope they can do the math on that, half of their FTP and say half of your FTP, let's never- yeah, People can do, do half. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with right, saying half. Right. Let's never go below that. And I think that gives enough margin to recover. They're still working, but the body can still catch up and filter out that waste. And um, so some classes, I'm I'm always changing it up. I'm trying to always give them something they haven't done. I mean, work on it, get better, then let's change it up and let's shock the body in a different way. So I will use my my floor in a class like that where we're never going to fully recover, unlike this around threshold class, which is very difficult. I probably do that class four or five times a year, but I'll say 50% of threshold. Don't go below that. And uh, it's amazing how that starts to be hard because I think mentally it's very difficult for them to, to not unload, especially with all this idea of hit training now and everybody doing intensity training. They're used to doing these short, hard efforts. And honestly, I don't think it's really mentally that tough because you go hard, and you're recovering. And I always tell them things like the group's going to ride away. Or if we're kind of simulating a hill, I'm like, it doesn't always level out at the end of an interval. Sometimes you've got to go hard and still climb. And um, 
And I think people that ride outside absolutely get that. People that ride inside, I think, understand that. They may not know the actual feeling of it, but uh, they understand it. So I definitely like the idea of having an exact number, and that's your recovery number, not just unload and do nothing. Well, and that's really what I'm trying to get to, because really, you know, our role is to help people understand the intensity they're supposed to work at. That's what all this power stuff is about, heart rate's all about. Tie some tangible number to some RPE, some feeling, and, you know, power makes it so much easier because that's something that's repeatable and we can go right back to it. But at the end of the day, it's just helping, it, you know, I view it as it's, it helps me to communicate right. with the people I'm riding with. And so my concern is, and it's my own phobia of trying to do math in my head, mm-hmm. is that, you know, I'm trying to, to kind of limit that. Well, as, as a side note, you know, I've been keeping track over the last year, two years now, of, you know, the space number versus the personal threshold mm-hmm. uh, number. And my what I've been finding is it it's, it varies a little bit, but it's around that sixty five percent that um, seems to correlate pretty well with what people would look at as a AT versus the first ventilatory threshold. You know, mm-hmm. everything. You know, they're, again, they're all based on the same thing: perception of uh, effort. Dennis, I like the way you, what you meaning micro and macro, and so you're using floors and ceilings within a micro element, you know, a five minute effort or something, mm-hmm. and and I'm looking at more communicating in a in a macro sense, what I meant by general sense. Um, c- give me an example of how you you know would would structure and actually how you would present um, you know a five minute effort where you've got both the you know an intended floor and a ceiling. Well, I assume I wrote that post about uh, call the plumber, which is thinking about thinking about your body as filling a sink up, and your the, the as your threshold or below threshold is really that drain where you can um, where you can exhaust or drain out the waste as quickly as you produce it. So I call that a state of equilibrium where there's as much flow of waste going into the body or water going into the sink as you can exhaust or drain out. So to me, that's threshold. And then if I'm doing a five minute effort, I tell everybody now, depending on, and this may be, this is where I get clear as mud with people. And I think I, I sometimes, uh, talk too much. I also tell them if I want you to go to maximum effort effort, and I want your best five minute effort, I always tell them to be honest with them. We're going to rest afterward because you're not going to be able to repeat this. If I don't give you two, three, four minutes rest, if we want to go to maximum effort, I said, we want to make a big mess on the floor. We're going to fill that sink up, and it's going to overflow all over the place. Um, and I try to get them to understand to ha- be working hard enough, and we'll have your threshold being the floor. Could also, now I'm talking too many things, bottom of the sink, no water accumulating in the sink. And then fill that room up or that sink up with water over five minutes. So how long is it going to take, and what effort do you need and that's also another idea of your peak five-minute effort. Um, and I think that's a good number to have. And in stages, we test that actually in our FTP class. We do a five-minute effort. And we want your best, best five-minute effort. And, um, and then at the end of that five-minute effort, you know, the, the sink should be overflowing or you should be failing. And I always think the best way 
in an, on an, in an indoor cycling class to see that you're failing is that your RPMs start to drop and there's nothing you can do about it. As hard as you try, your RPMs drop. So then the floor would be threshold. The ceiling would be your five-minute um, peak effort. And you can get a peak effort for four and three and two and one minute as well. I think those Absolutely. are, those are yeah. good numbers to have. Not that you're always going to shoot for them. It's like you're not always going to do if, – if we came out as instructions said we're going to go 20 minutes today um, for this effort, not everyone should focus on doing their FTP for 20 minutes. Um, that's a testing thing. That's, that's your high – that's the ceiling. We don't want to break through the ceiling. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a great day, but the thing is then you have a new FTP and now you have to work harder the next time you come in. But, um, but set that ceiling, and I think that's a simple way to do it in that above threshold zone. Um, to have those numbers available, five, four, three, two, one, and then use those as your goal numbers. And then as instructors, we're speaking real things, real numbers to people. Um, it is a lot to remember, though. So um, sometimes we, we overwhelm our, our participants with those numbers. But, for example, we can say, I do a lot of efforts where we go five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute. And I will say, if you're doing a four, if you did, well, let's do a five-minute effort. Let's go to somewhere between 9 and 10 at the end of it. I'm going to give you a minute off, not full recovery, but a minute, maybe two off. And if we go for four minutes, we should be able to do more than we did for five. And we just try to keep beating our previous effort interval by interval. Um, and the ceiling, we're try- I always call that you know, raise the roof or raise the ceiling um, in that one. What kind of feedback have you gotten in general, you know, now that you've got, what, about a year worth of power? Yes. In your classes? Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting? People that ride outside, obviously, can see differences riding outside and real differences. Um, where before they used to spin away and come back to me in the, in the spring and say, oh, I was able to do whatever you know, famous ride out here in Colorado um, five minutes faster or two minutes faster. Um, but now I do FTP testing every month and i wouldn't say it's every month this happens but most every month people come up and say i am i was able to push a higher number and that's a real number that's a real output number so we're seeing changes there we're also seeing changes in that floor number i mean people are able to just maintain wattages or maintain average wattages more. And I'm not a big fan of them checking their average wattage every class because then it gets people to stop doing intervals because they just want to keep it up. So I do have a few people that chart and log everything. And that's what they're saying too, is that their average wattage over time has gone up. And to me, that's just more work. They're getting more work in and they're able to, and they're just able to do more. Maybe not even faster. They're just able to do, I mean, they would be faster outside, but they're able to do more work. Um, Which is and, obviously and, the goal. Exactly. More work is more calories because there's always the performance-based people. And even the performance-based people are concerned about their weight because especially when you're dealing with power and the and uh, they're, they're, they're… Everybody's they're, concerned about their everybody's, weight. Right. So, I mean, they're able <laughs> to do more. I don't care who they are. Absolutely. Um, so they, they see that they're able to do more. And then with the kilojoules options on most of the power meters, they're seeing that they're actually burning. They're doing more work and really burning more, more calories. The other thing that I'm seeing, and this was over the course of the year and a half, is 
I believe when we were teaching without power and on bikes with heavy flywheels, we were spinning really fast and our heart rate was responding to the fast cadence, but we really weren't doing the work. It was just fast and it looked good and it looked like they were doing, they were going fast and it looks, you know, it looked, it looked cool and they would stand and go real fast and everybody thought they were, you know, I'm sweating, I'm burning, my legs are burning, but they didn't realize how little work they were doing when they were doing that. And then when we first got power meters and I told people 100 RPM, which may be fast for some, I'm just throwing out numbers and I always tell them, if I say 100 RPM and you can't do it, you can't do it. I'm not, go down to 90 then. But I'm just throwing out numbers and make a little zone around that. If I say 100, I mean five above or five below and stay in that zone. But people couldn't push any wattage. And they're like, they're like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, it's not you. It's me. It's us as instructors. We never, we knew you guys weren't working hard at those fast cadences. We knew, but there was no way for us to make you do it. We could talk and talk and talk how you should feel and your legs should burn and your legs probably were burning because you had this fast cadence going, but you, we knew you weren't doing any work. So we always climbed. We always said heavy and slow, heavy and slow. And then the second we started getting these power meters and had you go faster, you realize very quickly that you never ever practiced pedaling fast with resistance and now you can see it. That's the thing I'm hearing the most about is that people are coming back to me after this year, year and a half that we've had power and they said I can finally pedal close to where I used to pedal and I can use and I can do it with power and I can do it with output and I can do it with work. But that's taken over a year for people to get there. So to me, that's been the most rewarding to see that, yes, now you're really riding a bike. You're not just in here spinning away. Well said. Well, Dennis Mellon, I'm going to be excited to see you here in a couple of weeks in Chicago. And then uh, I'm also really excited uh, your employer, Stages Indoor Cycling, is sponsoring my participation out at URSA this year. And you've got something super cool and secret. So um, I'm going to be excited <laughs> to see that once I get there. It's uh, it's going to be super cool. It's going to. I'm I'm extremely excited. We have a. Honestly, I don't even know what we have. It's that secret. But uh, um, I'm excited to uh, try to take over the wall, the world with power indoor and outdoor. So it's nice that we're working very much with our outdoor partners as well. So it's going to be great. Awesome. All right. Well, Dennis Mellon, master instructor, stages indoor cycling. Thank you for. Uh, that's an interesting conversation, and uh, yeah, I hope everything goes well for you uh, between now and then. Well, thank you, John, and again, thanks for everything. I mean, my life has kind of changed since you since you found me. I think it was even on Twitter is what it was, which <laughs> no one's even using anymore. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. <laughs>